Joe has had his moments. Two balls and two strikes on him. Here's the pitch on the way. A swing and a belt. Left field. Way back. Blue Jays win it. The Blue Jays are World Series champions. As Joe Carter hits a three-run home run in the ninth inning. And the Blue Jays have repeated as World Series champions. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. All right, welcome. Well, we don't really have a name, I suppose, just yet for this podcast, but uh, my name is Matt. I'm joined by Peter from the XI Podcast Network, I suppose we can call it. But this is all about baseball, and this is something that I've been very excited to get into because I've been a humongous baseball fan. I've played baseball for over 20 years, obviously not in any competitive a highly competitive nature or environment, but baseball has been my life for a long time, and uh, I'm really happy to to get to talk to somebody like you, Peter, about baseball and everything going on in baseball. And I know that what sparked this idea of having a baseball podcast was the sign stealing incident or debacle regarding, uh, you know, Houston and the Houston Astros and all that jazz and uh i guess the first thing is it's good to see you peter how are you yeah no i'm great um yeah this is something that you and i've talked about for a long time is doing some sort of uh you know coming from the xi network uh so far only podcast is about uh soccer so um football. it's football football <laughs> so it's yes. good to do something a little bit different um you know i'm i'm huge in every single sport um i feel like uh everyone should be into every single sport there's so many intricacies in in baseball and um in basketball even but you know i'm, I'm really happy that uh we're able to sit down and talk about baseball and all the stuff that's been going on and the good stuff and the bad stuff i guess there's there's some things to celebrate as well as some things to kind of uh you know shake a finger at so yeah di- we can dissect into all the net like the nastiness of it and that's the thing about baseball where um, baseball has always been, when it comes to unwritten rules and, uh, you know, the sort of gentleman rules and the unspoken nonsense that is surrounding baseball or sports in general, rather, baseball usually takes the forefront um, of, I guess, you know, maybe dueling with like pistols at dawn might be the first sport that ever had unspoken rules. You know, like 10 paces, turn around, shoot. Like, don't take eight paces and shoot. That's the unspoken rule. <laughs> Even though that's the ultimate, that would probably be the ultimate advantage of taking a, a, a cheeky sort of un, ungentlemanly advantage. But I guess baseball has the most unspoken rules. And I mean, just off the top, Peter, I mean, I'm sure you can kind of think of a few, but for me, you know, um, a lot of it would be things that I was taught when I played baseball. For instance, if you have like a 10 or 15 run lead, like do you, you're not stealing bases <laughs> off of, you know, laying or down bunts. Exactly. You're not yeah. trying to, you're not trying to, you know, you're just swinging the bat and you're not trying to stretch um, singles into doubles. You're not trying to be a hero. You're not trying to run over the the catcher. You know, you're you're not arguing calls. Like these are all things that aren't written in stone anywhere. They're not in any type of rule book, but they come with like some penalties. And I'm sure you know you being a big soccer fan and other you know sports ever. Like, what are some other unspoken rules 
before we even dive into the sign stealing? Um, I guess in in baseball, I guess uh, you know, there's the whole don't throw behind anybody, uh, don't throw at people's heads. Uh, you know, they. I'm trying to think of them, but you know, they're the things that you don't think about, but everyone yeah. doesn't do because it's it's just a bad thing to do or you know it's gonna sort of be an ungentlemanly thing to do so um yeah i there's so many in baseball in soccer i guess there aren't that many it's more just like don't run up the score um you know you don't there's there's not many like unwritten rules right Um, and you know in hockey you don't you don't celebrate an empty net goal right yeah you don't do that kind of stuff or unless it's you know to secure uh a playoff you know a playoff series win or a stanley cup win or whatever but you're not you know you're not there's no selly when you're sort you're not roofing a, a puck into an empty net on an empty net breakaway kind of thing <laughs> yeah. you don't do that you're not pulling but out like a yarmir yager celebration on no that would goal. be <laughs> ridiculous but because that's essentially going to be met with a scrum and you're going to probably get hip checked through the boards casparitis style like you know at, at some point but yeah. like what you said you know where you don't throw at someone's head i mean pedro martinez might have something to say about that he well, yeah. was a notorious headhunter but he had the control to sort of brush the tip of your nose with a baseball at 90 you know 95 miles an hour and tell you to f off his plate but when it comes to sign stealing this is something that is not written necessarily anywhere but it is a very much accepted thing that's just kind of a no-no but what the houston astros did sort of took this to a brand new level where they you know implied outside forces it wasn't just a matter of having a guy on second base, like you earn, like that kind of sign stealing is something you earn, right? Where you have to be on second base. You have to have a runner on second base with a, a kind of a lead going off the base, so he could see past the pitcher to the the catcher signs, and then be able to find his cheeky way to relay them to um, to his batter in time in order to sort of tip him off. That's something that's earned and rare, but it's still not really viewed as a very you know clean gentlemanly thing to do i've seen it countless times like i when i played baseball i was a catcher and nobody like i had my own sort of series of signs and whatever and if the pitcher was worried about sign stealing we'd come up with certain signs but we never had to worry about it at that level of play which was you know wasn't a high level of play i guess you don't have yeah you didn't have the um video on the catcher's fingers all no. the time you know what i mean where you know what was you know what was in the outfield of uh there was no stands in the outfield there was a parking lot of like <laughs> everyone's tercel and they're like corolla they're like 1992 corolla that they rolled up to the to the park with because they just finished their shift at the movie theater and they like r- had to rush to to get make it to the game there's and- one guy with his telephoto lens like you know, texting someone like if you hear yeah, a exactly. you know it's going to be a uh, a curveball. Yeah, three horns from the Corolla <laughs> in left field means curveball. Yeah, right. Like that's kind of how that goes. Yeah. But the way that the Houston Astros did it is they implemented, like you said, there was someone in the stands uh, that had, a, you know, a camera that was then relaying signs. And what was very, you know interesting about this whole scenario is that a lot of this came to light there was sort of complaints that were lodged by different teams most notably i guess by the 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 la dodgers who suspected this and the la dodgers are are my team i've that is my team i was born and raised in montreal when the expos left i adopted the dodgers as my team and this sort of hits me hard because they lost to 
the Houston Astros in the World Series in Game Seven of the World Series, I believe, it was 2017. Yeah, and that really hurt my feelings because I was have been, you know, dying for a playoff, not just like a deep run into the playoffs, but a World Series victory that I could celebrate myself. So having that whole setup of a camera in the outfield relaying it and then the banging onto like the garbage bins or whatever that was i don't know how exactly they did it but well it, you know it i guess it has been speculated that there were electronic devices of some sort oh um, yeah <laughs> i don't know if it was like taped under the shirt of the players or what and it would vibrate or do something um when, when, it's like a dog collar. Like yeah, a, exactly. You know, like, That's exactly like a shock, shocking dog collar. You know, it's a new fashion trend that they wear. Um, it says Fido on it. And anytime <laughs> a, a, there was a change-up being called, it would just give you, you know, maybe about 50 volts through the neck. And then if you recovered in time, you could swing onto that change-up. Yeah, uh, yeah, if you watch really closely, you can see Jose Altuve um, jump a little bit. When a yes, fastball down the middle is, yeah, you see his eyes go wide, like he just got uh, like a small taser, and then yeah. it's just, oh, there we go, a nice <laughs> sharp double into the gap. Um, yeah, but nobody told him you weren't supposed to put it on your balls. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Well, that's exact. That makes you run faster for sure. And you might not be able to have children for a while, but at least you'll get to, you know, you can stretch that double into a triple, no problem. <laughs> um, so this is the 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 scenario now is the fact that. It has not only been speculated and investigated, it has actually been confirmed and punished to a degree that a lot of people have sort of tossed shade at the MLB. Now, again, the fine, what occurred was that it was deemed to be correct, that the allegations were were not groundless, that the sign-stealing did in fact occur. They were guilty, it happened. And the punishment that was laid down by the MLB was a $5 million fine to the organization and a one-year suspension for the general manager and the manager. Now, um, the Houston Astros organization just immediately turned around and said, no, F you, you're gone, both of you. Like, you know, which is the right thing to do, Peter. It is, I think, it is. You know, like, what are they going to do? They're going to be like, okay, well, you, you know, come back. And no, you have to save face. At some point, you have to cut the cord uh, and just make sure that in terms of damage control that's the best you can do i think well and when we were talking about it you had mentioned that you know this is this is more this is farther reaching than just the houston astros organization because obviously um alex cora who's with the boston red sox has lost his job carlos beltran um mutually stepped down yeah he agreed to part ways with the new york mets after just being hired at the uh at the end of 2019 there so this is a uh this is further reaching. There's a lot of people that this touches in the MLB. Um, and I think it opened a whole new can of worms. It did. And this is very reminiscent to a degree of when people started coming out and talking about steroids. And I'm not just talking about Jose Canseco and his book and his weird lifestyle. <laughs> but that there was definitely a lot of truth involved to that because that steroid allegations or those steroid sort of revelations that were immediately denied and deemed ridiculous and blah 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 it's like no i always hit 70 home runs i i've hit you know (laughs) i've always beaten roger maris's record in consecutive seasons no problem like it's not a big deal but that entire um you know land uh, or, or massive revelation that really spawned a new era of baseball 
after the Juiced era really started from just a few sort of whispers and people finally sort of breaking, um, you know, breaking through. Now, obviously, stealing signs and juicing are two different things, but at the same time, once it kind of gets going, then everything kind of comes out of the woodwork. You turn the lights on and the roaches start to scatter, but eventually they're running out of places to hide, so to speak, and you start to find them. And in this case, like you said, Carlos Beltran uh, did the, I, in my opinion, did the right thing and, and stepped away. Alex Cora got canned. You know, the Houston Astros took a hit. Um, but this is going to be far more reaching because it's one of those things, Peter, I think, much like juicing, where it's everybody does it, and it's not in the books as being illegal. So what are you going to say? You know, am I going to go in here or go into the scenario? But this is more of an organizational level, right? This is not an individual decision. Yeah, it's um, this it's is- not like one of the players decided, well, you know what? I'm I'm going to relay some of these signs to uh, to my teammates. This was the GM, the head coach saying, this is how we're going to win a World Series. And they did win a World Series. They they yes, won a World Series. Dodgers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they won a World Series basically cheating um and it's it's been proven like the videos that have been coming out you can hear plainly in the background you would never have noticed it unless someone pointed it out but you can hear plainly like you know banging on a a garbage can and stuff like that in 2017 yeah there's some really cool videos on youtube right now um that of of people actually going through you know, the past year or two of games where this is incredibly, incredibly obvious, where you see the signs or, you know, it's the the the, the individual who did the research and, and put the video together says, okay, here's, uh, you know, calling for a change up and then bang, bang, you hear it in the background. And then that's what occurs. And that's exactly what was tossed. And, um, and I mean, part of it is also because if you look at the, the home record versus the away record, you know, um, <laughs> they had it all set up and ready to go there. The guy was in the in the in the stands or wherever he was with the camera relaying the information. Talk about fucking home field advantage. I know, like right? that is home field advantage. That is Mission Impossible level technological home field advantage, where you've got a whole spy network ready to go. This is the kind of stuff that you know um, Bill Belichick is just sort of has a massive heart on over in terms of <laughs> that kind of video relay live kind of thing. This goes beyond. Um, just covering your mouth when you're calling plays on the sidelines of a football game. But in reality, this is something that involves, you know, tons of people spying on each other and for an unfair or dishonest advantage. And as we move into more technological age, I guess you could say, everything is recorded. Absolutely everything is recorded. Um, There was a video that came out earlier in the season, the the football season, um, from the Cincinnati Bengals. I guess one of their security staff had found a Pat Staffer um, recording the sidelines of the uh, Bengals. And when he was confronted about it, he tried to say that, oh, it's it's game footage. It's game footage. We're just going to use it as game footage. And the security guard was like, well, I guess the security manager was like, this is just of the sideline, like just of the Bengals sideline. Like it has nothing to do with the game. You're just looking for anything that they're doing to tip off what play they're going to run. Um, so, I mean, it's, as we said, it's not just baseball. It happens in, in uh, football as well. And I mean, as, as we move into a more technological age, I feel like this is going to become more commonplace. 
you know oh definitely until it definitely until they can prove that there's a way to stop this from happening like if there's a way that anytime you walk into a uh, a stadium say all your cameras stopped working you know what i mean i don't know if you ever watched thunderbirds as a as a as a <laughs> like, kid the automatic camera detector no, uh, i've i have not <laughs> uh, is this the one with the puppets with the puppets yeah so oh my god no <laughs> I, i've seen it and it's it frightened me as a child watching yeah this. inside their actual like crafts because they were supposed to be like a, a secretive almost like police force or like uh, a rescue force for the world inside their crafts they had this alert that would go off when someone was taking a video of them um so they knew like oh, to either find the camera or get out of there <laughs> a camera detector yeah. um i mean i'm sure the technology to a degree exists but i mean what are you gonna do like <laughs> what's the defense against this do you just detonate an emp bomb like just in <laughs> yeah, the middle exactly. of center field before every game uh you know it's very difficult to really get this under control because like you said every time that there's new technology smaller cameras not to mention cameras are in freaking everything these days that's the part of the whole you know deal of selling your soul to a smartphone is the fact that anybody who comes in with a phone no one's gonna really i i don't think anybody is going to surrender their phone when they go to a game because half of the fun is also taking pictures at the game filming yourself at the game um all the board you know, girlfriends that are there who are taking selfies with their <laughs> sun, like ice cream sundaes and in, in, in the baseball hats or baseball helmets and all that yeah. stuff. I mean, I've gone to enough baseball games where I see that there's just more people, more, uh, people are more involved in, you know, just browsing Reddit while they're there than they are with actual, the actual game. But you can't really police that kind of, um, you know, keeping all these, this technology under wraps. And like you said, this is something that, is only developing now and it seems like it kind of just hit the ground running and just it's a, a, a flash but it's not a flash in the pan is what i'm saying i think that this is something that is going to be looked at very deeply in the 2020 mlb season wherein any kind of odd occurrence is going to become is going to be under a microscope and, and face intense scrutiny from not just um the league now and other teams but also everybody watching it because i feel like everybody wants to be the next person to out um a team that they hate or a player they dislike or um you know just because they not that they want their 15 minutes of fame but they want to be that person who said i caught this team and i figured out i sleuthed how they are winning so many games and whatnot um, well, yeah, I mean, the, this I, this Astro thing came from an ex-Houston Astro. So Mike Fires was, was the one that came out and said, like, yeah, this was happening. That's how we won. You know what I mean? And it was, it was still happening in 2018. It was still happening in 2019. And, you know, it's going to get to a point where what do they do before the game? Like, are they going to have to, like, strip down and make sure they're not wearing anything? It's It's... <laughs> Especially with the... Just plain naked. Yeah, exactly. Just plain naked. That's all you gotta do. Just a jock strap. Yeah. And it's like, if you want to wear something shocking that'll shock <laughs> your body, and the only place you can put it is within the jock strap, that's on you. You can yeah. more... Absolutely. If you want to shock your own penis, you know, <laughs> just... To, just to make sure that you know that it's a fastball coming, yeah. by all means, do your worst. Just go for yeah. it. Um, it. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of police this, or how they kind of try to take this out of the game, because... As you said, it's kind of something that's just been happening. Um, you know, at, when someone gets on second, 
you know, they're going to try to look for what signs the catcher's putting down. And then you have, uh, you know, catchers like Christian Vasquez in Boston who they paint their their fingernails. So he paints them yellow, I think, or yellow or green or something like that so that it's easier for the pitcher to see. But I would also mm-hmm. think that's easier for the person on second to see. A hundred percent. But the difference here is that you need, like I said earlier, you need to actually have a runner on second. Yeah. And a lot of times pitchers will have a second set of signs when there's somebody on second uh, in order to do exactly that, in order to conceal or otherwise mix up the signs so that nobody on second base is tipping them off. And in that case, I think it's okay because sign stealing itself is is not necessarily something that I think is um, inherently evil or bad or cheating. I think it's just part of the game in the same way that you take a lead off of a, or you steal bases off of a pitcher that has a terrible move to first or second oh, yeah. or can't pick off or the same reason that you you're steal on a catcher that has a bum arm. You're The same thing is that if you're if you as a team are putting yourself in a position to have a weakness exploited, that's on you. So if you don't have a second set of signs to mix up the the, the runner on second from looking at them and relaying the, the, the information to the batter, then that's on you. Yeah. But a camera with a telescopic lens and a satellite and NASA and, <laughs> you know, like SpaceX. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. A space force is involved. <laughs> and like there's like some ex-KGB agents that are, you know, just all all around. Like if that's what it takes for you to get that advantage, then that's different because that's goes outside of it. I think that getting on second first you have to again, if you want to steal signs, you have to make sure that you're I have a runner on second. And in that case, you have to make sure that your cat that the signs that you're able to read are in fact the signs you believe they are because you could always go ahead and think that a curveball is coming but if the catcher has a different set of signs and you're relaying improper information to your batter you're just frustrating your batter and giving him now a disadvantage because i think that there's two ways to go about it you know if you're a batter what's the only thing worse than not knowing what pitch is coming is thinking it's a different pitch so if you're if you're geared up for a fastball, but it's a, it's a a changeup, you're gonna look like a complete moron, like swinging way ahead of it, you know, swinging out of your shoes, falling out of the batter's box right before the plate, the ball even crosses the plate. Yeah. So. Exactly, especially with the you know the stuff that the MLB pitchers are throwing, you have to be ready for anything, and I mean having that split second even of knowing what's coming is definitely what what kind of pushed the Astros over the uh, hump in 2017. And I mean, Jose Altuve won the MVP in 2017. Not to say he's not a good player, but, you know, could something like this have been a reason why he hit for such a good average, hit so many home runs, you know, batted in or uh, had so many RBIs that uh, that year? I'm going to say it has something to do with it. It has to have something to do with it. I would most likely. Well, absolutely. Uh, you know, I'd be very interested in seeing his split statistics of his home numbers versus his away numbers. Well, and in years past um, as well, right? If this is something that right. AJ Hinch kind of just brought in, um, AJ Hinch and Alex Cora, I guess, in the last couple of years, uh, you know, how was he a few years earlier, say three or four years earlier? Was he still, you know, progressing? Was this something that the team saw happening or was it something that all of a sudden it was just Jose Altuve is MVP 
it's a very sticky situation. And like you said, this is something where you have to, it's not just a matter of, while a lot of people in the league are looking forward, uh, you know, into future years as to how to both correct and correct what the wrongdoings as well as protecting against future transgressions a lot of people are now doing the retrospective of looking back at statistics and looking back at performances and 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 wondering just how legitimate they are in the same vein that people looked at you know uh roger clemens and barry bonds and 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 mark mcguire and sammy sosa and you know uh, giambi and pettit and all these other dudes from that you could just era. go on and on like yeah exactly i am i'm just gonna stop it right there but um you know you go backwards in time and you're looking at uh, how are these wins now going to be viewed because when barry bonds broke the home run record the dude who bought the ball um i believe he was the owner of remember echo like the clothing line with the rhino yeah i believe yeah. he was the dude who bought the ball and i believe he put it up to a vote as to what he what he was going to do with it and some of it was leave the ball alone another one was blow it up another one was brand it with a giant asterisk yeah. was it uh, mark jacobs is that who it was i think that's the name mark does ring yeah. a bell but uh one of the important balls that were that barry bonds hit was then just to say like there was one of the options was brand it with an asterisk which is essentially to say that this is a tainted record it is not a legitimate record or it needs to come with some explanation the explanation in this case being that the the balls were not the balls were juiced the, the players, players were juiced, juiced. now and, we're living in the balls are juiced uh, era yeah at least that's, what they uh, that's think. a whole other ball yeah. game that would be interesting to, to to dive into because there was actual research and um, investigation done into that and it's not that the balls are juiced but the balls are different yep. the balls yep. and the seams of the balls are different which is actually um, something worth noting um, nonetheless in, in this case now you're looking at the World Series victory of 2017 that went to seven games if I'm not mistaken against my LA Dodgers <laughs> uh, well they're not mine but you know what I mean um, <laughs> if they were mine I, they, you could Bet your ass I'd be doing more than a podcast right now. Or I would be fly. I would still probably be doing a podcast, but I'd fly you. We'd actually be doing this podcast at Chavez Ravine, right at Dodger Yeah, Stadium. exactly. But, um, those victories, those not just the individual statistics of the players, but I mean, you you not. it's not that you got into the playoffs and you cheated your way into the playoffs. You potentially cheated your way to a World Series victory that is, that is essentially the biggest bad outcome that you could possibly hope for because if they got to the playoffs from cheating and lost in the first round that is that in itself is bad because they probably took the spot of another team that could have got there but they went the entire way and they took a championship home and i honestly feel terrible for the fans because houston isn't exactly a team that has been on top of the baseball market for a long time it has only been a recent resurgence where they are a perennial, you know, uh, top 10 team in the league. They have always been a dumpster fire <laughs> of a team for a long time. Oh, yeah, exactly. So it's kind of, it was kind of odd when all of a sudden, you know, the Houston Astros are in the World Series or the Houston Astros are, you know, perennially, uh, perennially a, uh, a World Series favorite, I guess. Um, you know, when they, they do have good players, let's, let's not say that they, don't have good players because they have one of the best pitching staffs in the entire MLB. Um, 
even back then, or back in 2017, I mean, their pitching staff wasn't uh, horrible. Let's put it that way. Um, they still had a good pitching staff. But, you know, when you've got George Springer and Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman um, as some of your big uh, your big bats in your lineup, you're, you're going to win a few games. But, again, we always have to come back to did they know what pitch was coming? If they knew what pitch was coming, it makes it so much easier to, uh, you know, to hit those home runs. You know, did George Springer know what was coming on those five home runs that he hits? Because he hit, if he hit five home runs in the World Series, if he knew exactly what each of the pitches was, you know, does that really? There's there's another big asterisk. Let's just say that when it comes to this World Series, and this, yeah, it it, it bugs me a lot when you have to have an asterisk or an explanation where it can't just be as clear cut as you think. It's not like, you know, if you look at Gretzky's point totals, it's not like, well, yeah, like, but he had this line made or his stick was made of wood or this or that. Like, it's not, you know, there's no asterisks in that case. Um, maybe because people just, uh, maybe it's just too much trust. I don't know. I'm not saying, look, I'm not here saying that Wayne Gretzky's records or skill is are, are, are tarnished in any way because that's not true at all. Uh, what I'm saying is that it's unfortunate that baseball has always been at the forefront of sports controversy. Um, I mean, you could probably look and talk about others. Like the thing about NFL's controversy is that it's usually off the field nonsense, uh, health related, uh, criminal activity related, uh, abuse related, uh, that kind of thing, and as well as the on the field stupidity uh, that might occur. Yeah. But baseball has mostly been cheating, um, you know, uh, just be it through performance-enhancing drugs or, in this case, you know, sign-stealing and this kind of nonsense. And it really makes it difficult for people to want to watch the sport from a perspective of, I love the sport and I think the sport is great because... You know, every time you hear about the greatness of or or baseballs in the headlines, oftentimes if it's ever making big news, it's not because there's one player doing crazy amazing or there's a, a, a you know, it's usually because there's something really, you know, rules related or cheating related involved with it. Well, and it's been like that for years, right? Obviously, we had the whole Pete Rose thing. Um, you had the steroid scandals. Then you had juice balls. Um, and now you've got this coming out. All, there's always something with baseball, I feel like. Um, and until until someone comes up with a, a feasible way to sort of push these type of scandals out of the sport, it's always going to be there. And there's nothing you can do about it. So, I mean, all it does is it just feeds into our, uh, our podcasting. That's all it is. Let's just give more yes. opinions on stuff that, uh, stuff that happens. Because... I mean, let's be let's be real. There's always something in soccer as well, whether it be racism or match fixing or illegal betting or you know transfer. Um, they have like transfer fair play rules, so like you have to be able to um, prove in your financial statements that you're making enough money to offset the transfers that you're doing. Um, so they have fair play rules like that. So like certain teams have ha had 
um, transfer bans and things like that. So there's a lot to talk about there as well. Um, and I mean, now just recently with the NHL, it's become a racism thing. It's become a hazing, bullying thing. Um, there really hasn't been much match fixing and stuff like that in the NHL. Um, and no real betting as well, which which surprises me because NHL betting has been huge for years and years and years. But there always seems to be something with baseball. I don't know if it's just that like the game itself is relatively slow, so it just gives people more time to pick things apart. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but there always seems to be something with baseball. Yeah, it's also a part, I think it's because the down, the down or the off season for baseball happens at a time where... Um, you know, it's over the hall, like it's over through the like the late fall, winter era, winter time. Um, there's not a whole lot going. I mean, you have the NHL season, you have the NBA season, and but in that time of like December, before the NFL playoffs sort of kick off, and before really anything is gets heated up or, or really intense in terms of NFL, uh, sorry NHL and and the NBA. If you want to sort of dig into what's going on in the world of baseball, I mean, there's that downtime where where you can really focus and dig into what's going on because you're not really marred from a journalistic perspective. You're not really having to keep your ear to the to the ground like intently on, you know, any type of playoff scenarios or anything that's, you know, incredibly pertinent at that moment. So. It's just funny that it comes out that way. Like during the summer, baseball always is all you know, like front row center because you don't have any other sports. Like none of the four major sports are really going on. I mean, you have the CFL, but like CFL, let's be honest, is if you're sort of ranking leagues, is would probably barely crack the top ten. Yeah. In terms of people's attention. Yeah, you have, I guess you have CFL and MLS. Those are the only things, right? Um, as, right. Along with baseball. Um, so and like like I like you mentioned. Pete Rose, because this is a scenario that the the ramifications of getting caught and the consequences that ensued just seemed like yes, they lost their jobs. Those the two individuals, the manager and the general manager of the Houston Astros, lost their jobs. But that was not a penalty imposed upon MLB. MLB only gave them one year suspensions. The them losing their job was um, a consequence, or rather a. Um, a result of the ownership firing them. Um, again, a, definitely a save face kind of damage control move, which is definitely justifiable. However, if you look at Pete Rose, Pete Rose is banned for life. Yeah, he is banned for life for betting on baseball. The hit king, the the you know unanimous. Well, I don't want to say unanimous. If if you're asking to me who the hit king is in baseball, I believe it is Ichiro Suzuki. That's just my I, that could just be the bias of the fact that I've watched him play yeah, and I yeah. grew up watching him play. Um, but Pete Rose, arguably, you know, if not unanimously, the best hitter of all time with the most career hit MLB hits is not in the Hall of Fame because he bet on his team to win games. Yeah. Um, what the what the hell? Like <laughs> this, what, you know, what in the world... I, you have a team that systematically and, and intricately devised a, 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 you know, a formula, a system to cheat 
And the result of that cheating was a world championship. It was investigated, it was dissected, and proven to be true. And the penalty is $5 million, which is bare, like, what? that's a bullpen pitcher. It's nothing. And it's absolutely nothing in the grand exactly. scheme of things. And you're. You're firing a manager and a, or you're suspending a manager and a general manager after when in a season that they probably don't really care too much about anyways, you know, in a damage control season. So, you know, we are putting one against the other. What, this is I, – I, I don't know if I want to say that, like, I feel bad for Pete Rose because I don't feel bad for Pete Rose. I absolutely don't feel yeah. bad for Pete Rose. Um, what I think is that there's this really – poorly weighted penalty that has been implemented on one in a different scenario versus this scenario with the Houston Astros where does this demand a revisit to the Pete Rose scenario to say you know what like times have changed and we have to reevaluate what is truly bad and what is truly you know like a lifetime ban is a lifetime ban but I think that that's something that might need to be revisited and because I think that a lifetime ban you could, uh, you should probably put this guy in the Hall of Fame. Like you have to put. Well, him in the I, Hall of Fame. I agree with you. I think that the lifetime ban for Pete Rose is a bit ridiculous. When you think about it, he did that for his own financial gain. It's not like he was. Um, it's not like he was hurting other people by doing it. It was only for himself. You're you're betting on your own team. That's what I mean. To win the a, game, like what? You had a good team, and all you wanted to do was make a little bit of cash on the side. Like, cool, that's fine. This whole sign-stealing World Series thing has, like, an exponential difference to him making a few bucks off himself or off his own team. The By the Houston Astros doing this, not only did their market share grow up, their profits went up. They had how many more games in a season because they were doing well in the playoffs— their attendance numbers went up. Their uh, concessions went up. Um, they were on TV more, so their TV uh, earnings went up. The money that the Houston Astros made off this probably d- doesn't even come close. Or I mean, it's it's way too much compared to what Pete Rose made off betting off a few of his own games. I don't understand no, how Pete- you you ban him for life, and you're not willing to ban the Houston Astros for life even as even as a team Pete Rose betting on baseball is like on his own team to win games is like the ultimate you know confidence yeah, power move is. that you yeah. can make as a man for you know like if I was honest to god if it was if I was you know coaching a little league team I would definitely like before the game I'm like I just told I I I would be like oh, like you know what I'm like I just bet the other manager that if we win, they're buying ice 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 cream, and if we win, we if we lose, we buy them like like and it's like yeah like we're that's gonna get like, some ice cream. Wow, coach believes in us. Exactly. The difference here is that the fact that Pete Rose probably is like, look, I put like I put like five stacks on us to win because I want to go and play slots at Hooters all night. Like that's literally <laughs> probably what he wanted to do. Like he just wanted to play some blackjack and see some boobs. That's literally the probably the difference here. It's not like he had some criminal organization. He probably just had a gambling addiction that he wanted to, you know, 
just make sure that uh, he had it well in check and uh, satisfied at all times. Betting on your own team is like the ultimate show of confidence in that I would walk into that locker room and literally say, I got 10 stacks on you guys. Yeah. That's how much I believe in you. And then everyone would be like, yeah, let's let's do it for Skip. You know, like that's kind of how that goes. This is a completely different freaking ballgame. And like you said, like in terms of the exponential difference, this is one man making probably a few Gs off of a win versus a team that went so deep into the playoffs that they made that $5 million fine is probably what they made uh, in profit in one or two home games uh, uh, that they got from those um, from those playoff games. When I remember reading that when the Montreal Canadiens, so I have season tickets to the Montreal Canadiens, and when they are, you know, in the playoffs and they fill that building, that building being about 23,000 plus uh, uh, fans, they say that every home game that they get is an extra two to three million dollars in profit for the organization. So a lot of times it's like if we make it to the playoffs, that's a minimum of two extra home games. That's an extra five mil in the pockets of the ownership and whatnot. And then it's insane. And I'm sure that it's even more now because these are numbers that I remember reading from 10 to 12 years ago when tickets were not absurd. Now, if you want nosebleeds to a, a Canadians game, you got to spend about 80 to 90 bucks a ticket. Yeah. And I mean, that's a 23, 22, 23,000 seater arena. Whereas the Astros yeah. um, at, at mid I think, yeah, it, I think it was 54,000 was what they had there in, in the World Series. Insane. Yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. Just imagine the amount of money that they're that they're having made on tickets and concessions and like parking and merch. merch. Exactly. exactly. You got to think like Jose Altuve being the MVP that year. They probably made it like so much money just on him selling his jersey and Astros branding, and it's just it's it blows my mind. Let's just put it that way. It's obscene. It's absolutely obscene, and that's why the, it, it just seems like the penalty that was imposed on them was laughable. And yeah, $5 million is $5 million. It's a lot. It's incredible amounts of money for peasants and scrubs like you and I. But for the Houston Astros, it's legitimately three innings of a home game, is uh, of a playoff game is what it is. They probably made that in beer, um, you know, over the course of a homestand. Like, that's that's what that is. Um, but... I, I mean, we're going to see where this takes off in terms of 2020 and how the Houston Astros, who are definitely going to be under a microscope moving forward, but beyond that, how the rest of the teams in the MLB are going to be viewed and uh, observed with a much more scrutinizing eye when it comes to cheating and random noises and crashes and bangs from, uh, from dugouts and stuff. So uh, this really now has just put the ball back into the court uh, of the players to be more creative and a more sneaky in terms of how they're going to steal signs because let's be honest i don't think that sign stealing is going anywhere it's not going anywhere it will never go anywhere yeah. but the way that it is done is going to be changed that, that's that's exactly it the the game is going to evolve as it always has the strategies are going to evolve as they always have and it, it's just going to become a different way of stealing signs it's not going to be you know auditory signals anymore it's going to be some sort of different signal you know what I mean? Uh, so it will change. Um, they will adapt to the scrutiny and the 
the uh, the eyes on them all the time. So it just it's just going to be interesting to see how it how they adapt and how it changes. But uh, I'm actually looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to see how the numbers change as well. Are we going to see the Astros players? Is this going to weigh on them? Or are they going to finish you know bottom this year? I don't know. We'll see. That would be hilarious. I would love to see them win like 60 games. That would be the ultimate. Like, you know, they just come out and they just, you know, they finish the season like, you know, with uh, 72 wins or like 60 wins They're or something like, like that. Swing at everything. Yeah. Jose Altuve is batting like 125. Yeah. That would be hilarious. <laughs> On the other hand, maybe they're just going to continue. Maybe they're the, the remedy to to this new scrutiny is to just be overtly obvious about how you're stealing signs. So you just have someone there just yelling curveball. <laughs> and, and it's like, it can't be true. It yeah. can't be true. They can't be that dumb. Yeah. They've literally just gone to the other side. Um, so that's, that's sort of, uh, um, I guess we'll wrap up on our talk about the sign stealing incident again, as the season sort of starts and that develops, I'm sure more, will be flushed out of uh, the woodwork. But the other thing that occurred most recently is that the Hall of Fame ballot for 2020 has been revealed, and there are two newly elected Hall of Fame players, one of which was an obvious choice. That would be Derek Jeter. He is uh, a near-unanimous elected. so near. uh, (laughs) That's the worst part. So near. So near, and obviously the second is a uh, Canadian Larry Walker yes. and uh, former Montreal yes, Expo. Congratulations, on his Mr. Last... Walker. Absolutely, Mr. Walker. Thank you. You know, who was part of the the '94 Expos team that had the finished with the best record. And in if baseball, it wasn't for a but, lockout, uh, t- yeah. Well, that's a whole other show. That's a whole other five. Yeah. Shows, <laughs> uh, uh, but on his tenth and final kick at the can is uh gets in uh squeaks through a 76.6 percent of course the rules stating that you need 75 percent of the ballot to be elected to the hall of fame if you receive five uh, less than five percent you are removed permanently from the ballot and you have 10 years of ballot eligibility to make your way in now this most recent uh, ballot had a lot of uh, significant names on it and uh, it, I guess it's worth noting that some of the players that I grew up watching who first appeared on and got completely just shut out of uh, you know some of the players that I enjoyed watching players like Adam Dunn, Alfonso Soriano, uh, Josh Beckett, Brad Penny, like some of these pitchers and whatnot, they appeared and they got immediately scrubbed out. <laughs> so they are not going to make it into the hall. Uh, some of them garnering as mo- as many as zero votes, unfortunately. But um, some that are surviving by the skin of their teeth still on uh, on the ballot, uh, but not quite in yet. Uh, players like Scott Rowland, uh, Gary Sheffield, uh, Todd Helton, Manny Ramirez, etc. I mean, these are all names that we're going to see. But we're going to start off, Peter with Derek Jeter, who received 396 of a potential, of a possible, rather, 397 <laughs> votes. It just, it's so funny. What kind of garbage is this? <laughs> it's just so funny that one guy is like, you know what? I'm not going to vote for Jeter this year. I don't vote for anybody in the first year of eligibility. Like, that just seems so and stupid. And that is, it's such horse crap. That is absolute 
horse crap. Because if Derek Jeter, first of all, Derek Jeter is a Hall of Famer. Now, did he have the best statistics in life? Negative. He did not. He wasn't the greatest shortstop who ever lived. He wasn't even possibly the greatest shortstop who played during his era. He is just a fantastic shortstop who played for multiple championship winning Yankee teams, was a one team player, which is always something that a lot of, you know, people might not factor that in. But when you play with one team for your whole career, sometimes that does give you a little extra sparkle when people are looking to vote for you. Uh, also, you know, um, was on, you know, finished, uh, you know, somewhere in the top fives of multiple MVP ballots for various years. Uh, just an all-around icon of the era. And I remember being at his final game in Toronto where they presented him with all kinds of nonsense. And But what other player that retired got that kind of treatment where at every last game that he played, he got that kind of treatment because he wasn't the best player ever but you know like players like cal ripkin jr didn't get gifts from every team and um, i think the you know, only other person really that i've seen that happen is this year cc sabathia uh, was going around doing his uh, final tour and he got a bunch of stuff uh in toronto and in new york and stuff like that so um yeah that seems new to me. Does that not seem odd to you, though? Like, that that's kind of weird? Like, Derek Jeter isn't... He isn't, you know, Hank Aaron. He isn't uh, Babe Ruth. Um, they did it to Kobe in the NBA, too, I think. Um, but, like, it just seems really odd that this is now something that is being done, where you parade this player around like you're supposed to honor their... You know, like, if it was Jackie Robinson, if it was... You know, something with some type of historical or significance or major impact on the game. I'm not saying Derek Jeter's a bad player or a bad person. I'm saying that he doesn't deserve to be paraded around and fawned upon um, because he was just Derek Jeter. He was the captain, you know, in a league Doesn't that have captains. Yeah, we talked about that yesterday. Doesn't have captains. <laughs> Like what kind of dumb dumbassery uh, is that? You know, like the only other okay, and this is and this is the I'm gonna ask you the exact same thing. So Derek Jeter was captain of the New York Yankees during his tenure there. Uh, they were rivals to the Boston Red Sox, obviously. Uh, the captain of the Boston Red Sox was Jason Veritek. Fantastic choice, excellent choice, locker room guy, catcher you know, field general of the baseball world is the catcher. So Jason Veritek manages the, the, the pitching staff, manages the team uh, on the field, does all that kind of stuff. Fantastic. Derek Jeter, captain of the Yankees. Peter, tell me, who was the captain of the Yankees prior to Derek Jeter? I have no idea. <laughs> Peter, tell me, who is the captain of the Yankees after Derek Jeter? Can't even tell you. Can't tell you. Peter, who is the captain of the, New of the New York Yankees right now? I don't think that teams have captains, really. Peter, for $1,000 million, name me one other baseball captain, please. Uh, I can't. I literally cannot. I know that. I know those two. Because it is stupid. <laughs> it is so stupid. Because when the uh, – I mean, I get it. It's an iconic thing, and he was the captain, and it's all good, and Derek Jeter was fantastic and all that other stuff. Like, I, I was a Derek Jeter fan. I have a Derek Jeter jersey in my closet right now. I wore it to his last game in Toronto out of respect um, because the guy did uh, – you know, he was an excellent, excellent player, and 
you know, was responsible for a lot of big moments. The the flip to Jorge Posada at the plate against the Oakland Athletics is, I think, one of the most amazing things I've ever witnessed mm-hmm. live on yeah. television. And in terms of be, having the, the, the presence of mind and the responsibility of you know, making that play is, is exceptional. And that's what I appreciated about Derek Jeter. But what the hell is a captain and why does it matter? In in NHL, the captain and the alternate captains are there in order to discuss with the refs on the ice in case there are any issues and whatnot. Yep. When there is a, a call on the field that doesn't go the way that you think it goes, what occurs, Peter? Uh, the catcher talks to the umpire. Okay, that's at the plate, right? But let's say, or let's let's put it this way: let's say that there's a, a throw to first base, and he's called safe when he you think he's out. Does the does the team captain go and talk politely to the umpire, or does the manager <laughs> run out in a frenzy? The manager runs out start in a frenzy. Dirt. Yeah, starts kicking dirt on the umpire, exactly. you know, yelling in his face, and usually gets tossed. So what the hell is a captain? It's what is a baseball it's captain? It's absolutely nothing. That's what it is. But part of it kind of adds to the allure of Derek Jeter, and this is where this is a little bit of bull s, um, because three hundred ninety six out of three hundred ninety seven potential votes is complete horse yeah. bull. Um, because why is one person not voting for him? Well, and it's, I think, I think I'm correct in in what I read was that the one guy who didn't vote for him says that he doesn't vote for people on their first year of eligibility. And that's the only reason why he didn't get a unanimous decision. So so he agrees that Derek Jeter is eligible. He agrees that Derek yeah, Jeter is eligible. He agrees eligible. that he should Just, be in there. Because there's, there's two things to this. It's because either he doesn't think that Derek Jeter should be in the Hall of Fame, wherein he's an idiot, <laughs> or he believes that because he's so damn cool, he's not going to vote anyone in on the first ballot, wherein, therefore, he is an idiot. So in both cases, he is an well, yeah, idiot. That's exactly it. He's uh, just an idiot. Like, Derek Jeter was unanimous. And you know how we know he was unanimous? Because everyone else who votes on the Ulster, or um, the Hall of Fame voted him in the only reason you didn't vote him in is because you don't vote for people in your first year and you're the only person in the entire voting class that did that that's ridiculous it's so stupid so mariano rivera last year was the first player ever and the only player to have a unanimous vote so all it takes is for you to be the best closer of all time um, with multiple World Series rings and all that other nonsense in order to get voted in. 425 of 425. Uh, in this case, somebody decided that Derek Jeter does not deserve to go into the Hall of Fame on his first go-around. And like you said, some people just say and have this sort of mantra that I don't vote anybody in on their first go-around. Babe Ruth didn't have 100%. Babe King Ruth did not have 100% percent of the vote when he was voted in in 1936 now a lot of argument about voting people into the hall of fame is about comparing them to those already in the hall of fame babe ruth (laughs) had like 80 plus years less of humanity playing baseball to be compared to and he didn't even go in at 100 percent. so clearly there's some people who have such high standards um 
And this is one thing that really bothers me is the fact that Derek Jeter did not get in unanimously because of somebody's decision that they want to be a hero and be that one person because they themselves are not in the Hall of Fame. So how do I become part of the conversation? I'm going to be the one jackass who is going to be hunted for afterwards, interviewed and discussed when it comes down to figuring out why Derek Jeter is not in unanimously. And I guarantee you that Derek Jeter is losing sleep about this in one way or another. Uh, and the sleep that he's losing uh, is is also probably because he shares a bed with like 15 supermodels <laughs> at all time. But that's... But, but his still, middle name is Sanderson. Like, yeah. Is it? <laughs> Derek Sanderson Jeter. Um, I don't know how. Yeah. Damn. He better be a good baseball player, well, I guess, to, for that... Yeah. Jeter, man, like that is a Hall of Fame name, Derek Sanderson Jeter. What a Hall of Fame kind of name. Um, so Derek Jeter is almost a unanimous choice, which is fine, and he's in, and it's all good. Larry Walker makes it in on his last effort, uh, which is awesome for him. Larry Walker's a good dude. I've uh, I've met not met him necessarily, but I've seen him live. I was at an event that he was at, and I was too. Um, too shy to go talk to him, but I did talk to Eric Gagne, the uh, former closer for the uh, for the LA Dodgers. Um, but two or three other names that are really important that I feel re- uh, deserve a little bit of conversation, real quick, is that time is running out on Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds. Uh, it is their eighth year on the ballot. They have two years remaining, if uh, if my uh, math does not elude me, and they have been slowly climbing up year after year to almost getting in. Now, they have two more years to go, and they have now gone, Roger Clemens has garnered 61.0%, Barry Bonds at 60, uh, 60.7%. Now, they're still a solid 15 points shy of getting in, but this is a far cry from where it began many years ago when they were first eligible. And of course, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, um, you know, if you asked... 15, 20 years ago about these two, they were first ballot Hall of Famers. Yeah. They were absolute legends of their era. Roger Clemens at the time was the best pitcher up there with, you know, the likes of Nolan Ryan, etc. That is what Roger Clemens was. And Barry Bonds, home run monster, stolen bases, average, everything. The guy was an absolute tank in all uh, aspects of the game until, of course, the whole steroid scandal and that kind of broke open and uh, all hell broke loose. You know, but what's worth noting here, Peter, is that after years of being, you know, very low, and I can get you exact numbers. So let's see here. Uh, is there one that I can find from? Let's see. So let's say in in twenty in twenty what year is this? Twenty fourteen. Uh, in their second year of eligibility, thirty five percent for Roger Clemens, thirty four percent for Barry Bonds. So they've yeah, they've I'd, earned I'd, an additional twenty five I mean, to thirty percent of how they've been their growing. way. In, to uh, the Hall of voting. Fame, I would so, kind of agree with you there. Is I mean, this a matter plus, of from the looks of it, finally unless, coming uh, around be to understanding, on the you know, who they were and maybe the that the steroids um, and uh, enhancements that they the took at the time wasn't necessarily illegal, 
but um, still kind of cheating. Are people coming around well, so to that fact, to or that is maybe, this just uh, a matter he's of people one of them forgiving them, or um, is it also a matter of but, uh, them getting their punishment yeah, over been, the years? Like, I have this odd feeling, Peter, that they're going to get in on their 10th year. I do think it's because the people who vote on the Hall of Fame, they recognize what Bonds and Clemens did for the game regardless of what came out after and what happened after um, with, the, with the steroids I think that they were exciting players to watch they were great players to watch they were dynamic they were uh, dominant um, you got to think Barry Bonds like when Barry Bonds first came into the league he was like this little skinny this little skinny kid right um, and then all of a sudden he just got big 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 um, so you knew something was happening, but Clemens, I mean, you know, we had Clemens in Toronto here for a few years and he was, he was amazing. Pretty sure he won a Cy Young when he was here. Um, yeah. So, you know, he's played for some big teams in his, in his career and he's big played in some big moments as well in his career. And I think those two players have done so much for the game that I think sports writers are starting to come around to the fact that, yeah, they took, they took uh, steroids, and yeah, it does kind of ruin, I guess, the integrity of their numbers or integrity of the game. But at the same time, wasn't it fun to watch? <laughs> yeah. I yeah, was there a Boston or, or either way, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, that's the that's the the part of it. But I mean, sometimes it's fun to watch. Uh, you know, a car wreck in, in, in you know, at Daytona, at the Daytona 500, but the results of it are not exactly the most peaceful or fun things. Um, interesting to note, actually, that their first year of eligibility on uh, at the Hall of Fame was in 2012, and in that year, nobody got elected. Uh, but their first year of eligibility, Roger Clemens, 37.6%, Barry Bonds, 36.2%. So they've been steadily climbing, you know, a little by little, they've been making their way yeah, through. Yeah. And, and, you know, so 2020 was um, this year where they got close. They're in the 60s now. Last year, they uh, they were, you know, in uh, 59%. They're slowly creeping up there. Uh, that was 2019. Um, let's see. Excuse me. Um 2018, uh, you know, 57%, 56%. So they're gaining, you know, a couple percentage points every year. And it was fun to watch these players uh, play. And I will honestly say that, uh, to me, sometimes must-see television, must-see baseball was Roger Clemens versus Andy, uh, sorry, uh, Roger Clemens versus Pedro Martinez. I thought that that was something that I had to watch. No matter what, I had to watch those matches. Um, putting them in, I think I I think that there's various different schools of thought into why they're gaining percentage points. I think that there's a a a a, a group of you know Hall of Fame voters That's out there the 
who yeah, truly believe that was, no matter you know, all, what, all many players, players from that era will not get in because players, it's their, against say, steroid implications. Era. So that is one thing. There's Another a part is that there are certain era. ones who it's think because all that good it's not were, that for the most part it wasn't necessarily steroids. against the rules. So, do, but it is still something that deserves punishment. That so they are not going to be voting for them until their final year. I think that that is also something that's gonna that is part of it. And another one is that some people are literally just uh, coming Samuel around Sosa, after, uh, you know, the, the climate has sort of cooled down a bit, a bit surrounding the steroid era and realizing uh, that, okay, Sheffield. maybe it wasn't as bad and everybody yeah. was doing it. It wasn't necessarily in the rule books yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. You know, dudes like uh my goodness, I yeah. there so many big hitters from that era are implicated. Right, and even on the current ballot or the most recent ballot, the 2020 ballot, you have guys like Manny Ramirez is 28%. You have Gary Sheffield 30%. Um, Kurt Schilling uh, has, you know, had the rumors swirling around 70%. Um, Andy Pettit, an admitted, you know, and and uh, apologetic steroid user, is uh, 11%. Yep. So Sammy Sosa 13.9%. Sammy Sosa. 13.9%. This is a guy who uh, has, my goodness, how many home runs? Uh, is he in the 600s in terms of home runs? Uh, the guy is, he, he, I guess, does, I mean, he deserves to be there, in my uh, opinion. But um, again, it, it's a matter, I believe, of people just coming around to it. But there's going to be pockets of people who truly believe and are going to be stubborn about it that they do not be- belong there. Um because of steroid use and then there are those who honestly think that they need to sweat it out a little bit i think that that 60 percent next year is going to be 65 percent and then in 2022 yeah, they're, they're going to squeak in with like a 78 or 79 percent well, and Babe i Ruth think that that's how no, this is going to go because at the same no time what we need to understand or, is that the rules to voting uh, you know, there Robinson are did it with no steroids, so uh, new rules from what i understand is that five years you know? after you retire um, as a within the the business of sports writing and whatever you lose your vote so yeah, but he also didn't do um, it against there are people out there who have not fastballs you know what I been mean. intimately involved in stuff. the sport for like 20 30 40 years who are still casting ballots right so it's kind of odd in that regard how baseball is an old like an old man sport and i and it, i don't think that's going to change anytime soon right so you Exactly. I mean, Babe Ruth did it with no batting gloves and, like, crushing, you know, a six-pack before the third inning. Like, that's... <laughs> right. Yeah. So, in regards to technology and improvement and evolution of the sport itself and the athlete itself, uh, it's, it's two-sided. So, you know, you do have players who are able to keep up, but at the same time, for every 
batter who has better equipment and better training, there's also a pitcher on the other side of it who has uh, a yeah, better, yeah, exactly. um, you know, understanding of pitches and statistics and analytics. Um, because I'm, I, I guarantee you, Babe Ruth never had to face the shift, and I guarantee you, you know, players like, uh, you know. Uh, I'm trying not to go too far back, but even someone like Tony Gwynn or something, they they were not facing, um, you know, four infields, uh, four infielders on one side of the on one side of the the the, the infield, right? Like that, that just was not happening. Whereas a guy like um, David Ortiz, David Ortiz hit in the same like ten percent of the field every time. It was either <laughs> over the fence or it was an out kind of thing. You know, he wasn't surprising anybody, but. Um, well, either way, I, I think, think we can both agree that whoever is. this one if, clown if is who didn't vote for Derek Jeter, yes, uh, I think that no. the the reasoning Look, behind it is, is why this guy one of said two no. things. It's he wants to be but, noticed. I mean, and at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Make Derek a point, in the Hall of Fame, and but, then uh, therefore is completely misunderstanding what that responsibility is as a voter it's not about you it's about the player itself so saying that you don't vote for someone because of their first year of eligibility is absolutely asinine or the other option is maybe he just doesn't believe that Derek Jeter is a Hall of Fame player where in which case he's wrong and that's and it's not just me saying that it's 396 other respected Hall of Fame voters so yeah Yeah. Well, if correct, but it's the principle of the matter. At the same time, it's like, you know, is a no hitter the same as a perfect game? No, it's not. You know, because uh, Clayton well, Kershaw. You know what? I'd love to talk to him. Pitched, I'd love to pick his in brain. In my opinion, a perfect him, game, you know, except why he didn't vote for he, Jeter. If it's something was, as simple uh, as I think Hanley he Ramirez doesn't vote for the person in the first year of then like and it therefore you're became, wrong and I hate it was you, an error. Therefore, there the was a base time, runner allowed. Therefore, the I can't be mad at you because you're, hitter, you're, and I was on the couch losing my mind. And I was like, "You mother!" And I could only imagine what it felt like to be Clayton Kershaw at that moment. Um Regardless, uh, if the one voter who did not vote for Derek Jeter would like to come on the show and discuss and argue his point, you are more than welcome. You can contact <laughs> us, and we will be more than happy to hear your wrong reasoning. And that's totally unbiased at all. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually. I feel like it's only a couple weeks away. So I think it's mid February that they uh, they start to. Re- uh, report so oh man baseball season is coming quickly just ask him just straight I'm up just look him right in the eye and say why do you hate happiness why do you hate joy like what is it about those <laughs> things that yeah, makes you they got so their, uh, steaming mad like yeah, they what got their is garbage it about can you drummers ready so and did this, you <laughs> whatever it's i don't want to get into it any more than we have to but i think that this is uh yeah it's just, this is sort of wrapped up a really interesting conversation and I'm, I'm glad we touched upon it and uh i mean the 2020 season is still a little ways away but i mean i think pitchers and catchers yeah, stump just has a, a month, whole rebrand right? where they're all wearing houston astros jerseys um oh god i don't know if you saw the video but there's a video of gritty the philadelphia flyers mascot um and he's got a garbage can with the houston astros logo on it and he's walking around I like too. I mean, the like, Houston Astros uh, are already like setting up the cameras so and stuff like that in all the different stadiums. It's fantastic. Yeah, the whole yeah. operation. 
they just yeah i could just see them they're like oh well we're in new york we might as well go see stomp yeah it was great <laughs> and just go you know, and I'm, I'm recruit some of those like broadway uh broadway uh, people to just go ahead and maybe hook quickly, us up so with some uh, better i feel like there's gonna be a better, lot to talk uh, about in the next few weeks can. and you know maybe we'll be able to do a full uh full preview of the season oh as well. that would so be so good we'll talk about the that ale, would be so talk about good no we'll talk about our teams to uh impress our teams that aren't going to impress and maybe some players as well yeah Oh, no. That is amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Uh, Well, Peter, honestly, this has been a blast. I'm glad that our first uh, podcast about baseball has been uh, very riveting. Um, So you can send that to peter at xinetwork.ca. I answer pretty much right away for everybody. Um, And, uh, yeah, we just want to get input. We want people's ideas about maybe why this guy didn't vote for jeter or who was it who didn't vote for jeter and why didn't he um <laughs> yes absolutely. Yeah. and that uh, like maybe uh, some of your ideas um, for to peter again if anybody want out there listening to this would like to sort of contribute their comments their questions anything that you guys want us here to talk yes. about so uh, you can go ahead Peter, Network tell them where they can sort of send that information for those uh, twitter um as well as on instagram at XI Network CA. <laughs> um, I don't really use my personal Twitter. I'm more on the XI Network Twitter. So, yeah. Why is he a scumbag? Yeah, exactly. Let's hear about it. That sounds good. And uh, we do have a Twitter, if I'm not mistaken, right? For the XI Network? Uh, .ca. Yes. Yes. Because we're Canadian. Yep. Sounds good. And uh, if you want to contact me directly, I'm at at WatchFlake, W-A-T-C-H-F-L-A-K-E. If you just want to sort of send me messages. And Peter, I don't know if you have your own Twitter as well. I, I stalk you in person, not online, so... Perfect. Either way. So if you want to call me specifically an idiot, you can do so on my Twitter at WatchFlake. Or if you want to sort of uh, talk to the show or ask questions, go ahead uh, at XI Network CA on Twitter or Peter at XINetwork.com. Dot CA because we're patriots. We're absolute patriots. We're patriots here. But uh, Peter, thanks again for these riveting conversations. And we'll be back soon. We're not sure when, but uh, we will be back soon, I believe. Awesome. Well, thank you again, everybody, for listening. We will be back shortly. This has been Matt and Peter for the Untitled Baseball Podcast for now. And have a good one. Goodbye.